Welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudharman, joined as always by Darren Burns and Toby Doman. And today we have a special show because we have a special guest, Sir Martin Sorrell, who is not only executive chairman at S4 Capital, but a keen and accomplished cricketer, from what we understand. Very keen, very keen, but very never scored a century. Uh, that's ooh, why. Wow. Oh, okay. Well, well, we'll talk about that. I, I don't think I've ever taken a fifer either. Okay. Well, I don't think any of us have. Maybe Darren has because he's Australian. Oh, yeah. I've taken a few fifers, but I've never scored a hundred either. Okay. Well, <laughs> our listeners may be less well acquainted with Sir Martin, but in the business world that myself, Darren, and Toby inhabit, Sir Martin is a pretty big name. He previously launched and led WPP for decades turning it into the world's biggest advertising group. And at S4, he is again overseeing rapid growth. All of that is great, but we are here, of course, to talk about cricket. We've done some research. We found out some interesting things about (laughs) Sir Martin's cricket career. This sounds ominous. Sounds very ominous. There's a lot out there once you start looking, by the way. We, we never do research, Sir Martin, normally, so we've done some research. Yeah, you should feel honoured. So. You should feel honoured. Sorry about so, that. First of all, as, <laughs> so as an opening batsman and left-handed bowler, is it? Yes, that's right. Yes, left arm. Left arm. Okay. Bowler, yes. I, I guess uh, it was sort of a mixture between a leg spinner and a, a, a leg cutter. I think it's actually a, technically a leg cutter. I, I tried to rotate the ball off is probably the way of putting it. Not the uh, left arm Chinaman. No, 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 with an arm ball as well. So I, I, I remember, actually, it's funny, Darren's talks about Golin and, and PR and Weber. I, I was paying for uh, Hill and Melton. I, I, I actually, it sort of sticks in my, these sort of small, small achievements, and these are tiny achievements, stick in your mind. I remember uh, against, for, for playing for Hill and Melton, uh, in Hertfordshire, I think it was, and, and their, their best batsman, and I, I bowled, uh, three or four, um, not leg breaks, but sort of certainly balls that moved imperceptibly uh, to the off from the <laughs> leg. So I guess they were qualifiers, sort of leg cutters. And then I bowled an arm ball straight between bat and pad, and it was really I can I can picture it today. Today, it's uh, it's what one of my only achievements. But it was you know when you watch Test bowlers sort of coaxed out. You know, when you see Ashwin bowling against Root or whatever it is, and you see the way that they draw the batsman, they they con the batsman. That was the only time I've ever conned a batsman. Mm, well done. Well done. No, I, um, no this, is, this is in my memory. It's in nobody else's memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Slippery. Yeah. So, so, Martin, your business career has been covered in considerable detail, but your cricketing life is probably less well-known. How did you start playing the game, where did you start playing and how did how did it all progress? And, you know, I started at, um, I guess, Hasmonean Preparatory School, a Jewish day school in Northwest London that didn't have much of a cricket side. Jews are not great at cricket. Um, there are Jewish cricket, but there aren't many of them. Um, you know, playing on Shabbos, probably didn't didn't appeal certainly to yeah, me. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that. There hasn't been a Jewish cricketer that's played for England. There has not. Yeah. I'm just uh, well I, I I can't recall one, but I'm sure we can 
scrub wisdom and we might find we might find one but in any event and then i went to um a school called goodwin and then haberdasher's prep and i think i i started to play at haberdasher's prep i played in the 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 junior 11s there and then through school at haberdasher's and then i i was in the first 11 and then captain of the first 11 never never really very successful either personally or uh, or as a side i played with a an indian guy who was very good actually robin sangupta uh, who went on to play for the middlesex school side i played i played for the middlesex school side once um i think i was captain of it but the the game was at bronsbury and it was rained off <laughs> uh, undefeated so I never, never, I never played for middle. It was actually Middlesex Public Schools, I think it was called, and the Middlesex School side was a level above that. And um, at that time, I got to know Reg Hater, who was chairman or in the Stanmore Cricket Club, and I played at Stanmore, and I loved that. I played on the common at Stanmore, and Stanmore had a very good first eleven. They had a couple of uh, ex Worcester players, one ex Worcester bowler. There was a Middlesex two wicketkeeper. I think his name was Mike Healy, uh, and then there were there were several players. I think one of the the English fast bowlers. What was his name? Angus. Can't remember his name. He used to play for, Angus Fraser. And I think it was Angus Fraser. Played for um, the Stanmore. And um, I remember Reg put me down. I, I played for the Stanmore Colts, and then I. Sadly, I, I you know when I, when I left, I played at Cambridge College cricket. Never got into uh, any of the the university teams. I left that to one of my my sons who played for Crusaders. Uh, but I never got into the Crusaders. And then when I went to business school in in America, I di- I didn't play any cricket until the very last um, term uh, after two years. That must have been about nineteen sixty eight. When I played for Harvard Business School against, I can't remember who it was, but we played at a woman's college, Smith College. Uh, we played a sort of charity game and I played that. So I stopped playing. And um, then um, when my kids were at Arnold House uh, and then they, they all went to Winchester, I, I, they started to play, not my eldest son, but my, my second, Robert and, and Jonathan, played, played cricket. And in the far, you know, I went back to playing cricket uh, in the father's match actually at Arnold House when I think Mark, the eldest, was was playing in the team. And I always remember it because it was 1987, and it was in the midst of the hostile so-called takeover for Jay Walter Thompson. And I was fielding at square leg, uh, and my my phone went off or a phone call came in, and I had to depart the field. Uh, it was on a, I think it was on a Saturday afternoon. I had the part of the field to, to take a call in relation to the takeover of JWC. But interesting, from my point of view, I became much more interested in cricket again as a result of the boys. And uh, I formed a, a, a team at WPP. And that, that, that uh, we played um, what I call gourmet cricket. We had a very good caterer uh, who, who, who provided us with a very good, we played day games on a Sunday mainly, on beautiful grounds. We played at Wormsley and other grounds in, in Hertfordshire and Sussex and Essex. So it was really good fun. And, um, and it was 
you know, we, we, we used to rope in ringers. And really, we used to play probably about 10, 11, 12 games a, a year, day games on a Sunday. As I say, we, we had an excellent breakfast to start with. And we used to play in these villages and uh, people would know we were coming and they would know that lunch, lunch and tea were going to be absolutely superb. And they all came for tea as well. So we used to have quite good crowds. But it was a question of whose ringers were better than anybody else's ringers. Um, I, think, I think over the, I don't know, six, seven, eight years that we did it, we sort of, our win-loss ratio was about two to one. We had some... We had a, a, a New Zealand opening left armour, opening sort of fast, medium-quick bowler. We had a couple of South Africans who played um, played significant cricket in South Africa. Uh, we had a couple of good English players. I mean, we, had a, we had a good team. We had a couple of twin brothers, uh, one, one who had been done for GBH, um, but was a very, very good batsman. And the other one who was uh, an off-spinner. They both were Middlesex professionals, actually. And uh, they were brothers, and they played for us. And then we had a, um, we had a West Indies uh, test bowler who was extremely quick. Um, who we, so, but we took this, we took it, we took it very seriously, winning. And then we had... Um, Alan Luff, who who uh, still plays cricket to this day for the Forty Club and others, and and has been, uh, you know, we used to be the concierge or porter at the uh, Connaught Hotel, uh, and he played as well. So we we roped in all these people, but it, essentially it became needle matches. I mean, I've heard stories of people who run te- ran teams where it literally became a matter of life and death. Or death, if you if you want. It wasn't quite as bad as that, but we liked mm. we liked to win. We did, yeah, like win. So yeah, so. I've heard that said about you. So <laughs> in the, doing the research for this podcast, I found an article in the Jewish Chronicle that I have to <laughs> ask about. Did you really hit Wasim Akram for six? No, I I, I don't recall hitting Wasim Akram for six. I do. I do recall um, um, the, the 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 following. What's what's his name? Who led Pakistan? Was married to um, Prime Minister Imran. 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 Imran Khan. Imran Khan. So I I do remember Imran mm. Khan. You know, I play every year at uh, Victor Blank's charity match, which is a pro am, and, and they have serious serious players. And I do remember Imran uh, being there, and he was. He was with an extremely beautiful girl, a woman, and um, sitting on the boundary. And 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 he wasn't he wasn't sort of distant, but it was a bit offhand. And and um, I, I think I was opening the second innings. I think it was with somebody like Lara Ogabaskar or something like that. And Imran, you know, sort of was reading the Sunday papers with his girlfriend, and he gets up from the chair and he opens the bowling and. Um, it, it, the first ball comes in, and, and I, th- I think in, he wasn't bowling quick. He was probably bowling medium, his medium pace to slow, I would say. And the first ball comes in, and, and I can, rec- again, recall it. I can remember it exactly. It, it, it was pitched up, and I thought it was drivable, and I, I went to drive. It went straight between bat and pad and, and hit the stumps. And it was first ball. And there's about 600 people around the boundary. So this is a bit embarrassing. And I walked. 
I start to walk to the pavilion or the marquee, and I get about 15 yards. So it must have been about 15 seconds away from the, the wicket, and the umpire calls no ball. So I, I walk back to the wicket, and he bowls the second ball, and I think I padded up to it. The ball <laughs> nipped back, and I'm plumb LBW, and he stifles an appeal. He was, he was nice enough to stifle the appeal. And the third ball, I think I did manage to get bat on ball. And uh, the fourth ball, exactly the same thing happens as happened the first ball. And I said, I've had enough of this, I'm out of here. <laughs> and the other, other recollection is Shane Warne. It lasted five balls against Shane Warne. And Mike Brearley was keeping wicket. And I don't think Brearley had ever kept wicket to Shane Warne during his career. The first ball came in and it turned appreciably. And I turned to Brearley and, he, and just boost my confidence. He said, I have never seen a ball turn as much as that. So, <laughs> so I, all I remember in relation to Victor is abject humiliation. I, I like the story about the kind of um, the gourmet food. And it didn't sound like there was too much buffet bowling either. It sounded like it was pretty hard to bat there. Samad, so, how, how would people describe your captaincy of, of the WPP team, <laughs> cricket team. I mean, it sounds like you you took it quite seriously. Very seriously. Right? So was it the same way you you took it into business? Absolutely. Yeah, we we were there to win. You know, didn't, we didn't go as far. I didn't play in one game. I remember Alan telling me that they played. Um, at, and I shouldn't say who it is because they'll know who it was. They they played a a game. They two years in a row. I couldn't play in a game, and they played uh, in a certain place near London. Uh, and and the opposing side, they they really did fix fix the game. You know, they 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 they. they we played what we did was fifty overs, no limit, fifty overs side one day, <clears throat> no limit on batting, no limit on bowling, and this side really exploited that. You know, to the limit. And I remember <clears throat> sometimes it could be a little bit unpleasant when you encountered a side like that, but. I would say, uh, Darren, our, our approach was competitive. We wanted we wanted to win as a team. We had some serious players, as I said, you know, South African. Uh, what do they call it in South Africa? Is it province, provincial cricket, whatever? Um, and and you know, equivalent to cricket in Australia. And we had we we had some really good players, and we took it very seriously, and we enjoyed it. And and I wasn't particularly fit, but most of the the uh, the players were fit, and it was nice actually because I could play with. You know, two of my sons played played. Uh, Jonathan, the young one in particular, and Robert, and and we uh, we you know we had we enjoyed it. Actually, yeah, but uh, we did take it we did take it seriously. I mean, let me put it like this: at the end of the game, we preferred to win than lose. <laughs> so, how, how many people actually worked at WPP who played in the team? <laughs> Very few. Very few. I don't know. They, <laughs> There were there were there were a good sprinkling. We used to play, uh, we used to play Rodney Fitch's eleven. That that was a that that I think I got my highest score against Rodney. I think my highest score ever was eighty nine or ninety two. Not bad. Oh, so close, so close, close. Um, and uh, we, that was a needle match. We used to play Ogilvy. That was that was a needle match too. I mean, the the intercompany rivalry was quite quite hard. And then. You know, over the years, 
it was a question of, you know, who's ring. I mean, Gladstone Small would appear one year and um, Jeffrey Boycott um, appeared in one charity game up in Leeds. He appeared as an umpire. But he, you know, I remember talking to him, you know, I mean, when you talk to talented cricketers and not being one, <laughs> obviously, I, you know, I was always amazed how people who were such great cricketers retired. Uh, and play. I remember saying to Boycott, you know, he he, he said no. He was you know he became very interested in golf, and he, he said he didn't miss it, and he didn't want to play. And I guess when 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 you lose the physical faculties, you know, eyesight, reaction time, etc., uh, probably it becomes very frustrating. But for those people like myself who didn't have any, I had no natural talent whatsoever. I was a grafter. I was a Hutton Boycott. Um, you know, I used to nibble away. I, you know, it was the I used to nudge, nudge the singles and the nudge and noodle. Yeah, nudge and noodle. I, yeah, obdurate. I used to be quite good with the hook uh, at one stage. And the other thing I didn't do, which I should have done, which was 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 training. I remember there was a delightful South African guy called Michael Mayer who used to play with. Sadly, he died a few. A few months ago, and he was a very good batsman, very flamboyant. And he and I were both members at, at the MCC, and we 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 went to. I always remember this. We, we when you were, I think it still applies, but although I don't think people do it. If you remember the MCC, you could go and practice in the grass nets, not on the nursery ground, not not in the the cricket school, but actually outside in the grass nets. And Michael and I went once. And once only, it was really sad. We went with our cricket equipment and we had a net with the young professionals. And of course, they didn't like they didn't like the fact that these old farts, these old members would come in and, and, and they bowl at them. They had to bowl at you for an hour or whatever it was. So they they fizzed it down or they 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 made every effort. But that was great. And you know, with practice, you know, when if if I had an hour in the um with the ball machine in the in the in the uh, indoor school or whatever, or did that nursery net or whatever, uh, you you felt much better for it. And it, it, it's you know practice in cricket. You know, obviously practice makes perfect. And didn't do enough of that. And I and I think if I had done more of that, maybe uh, I would have been slightly more effective. Not much more effective, but slightly more effective. But I but I I mean I I do love the game. I'm prepared to sit there for five days and not get a result. And I'm unlikely now in India, um, given, given the wickets. Um, yeah, I'm prepared. I, I love the game, and I, I love it in its old form as well. as I like the new forms as well, but I love it particularly in the old form. I'm, I'm prepared to sit at Lord's for five days with, with, my, with my iPhone. It used to be my BlackBerry, but with my as long as I've got that, and I could multitask. I'm prepared to do it. Mm, yeah, it's the it's the magic of Test cricket, isn't it? So, Martin, there, there's quite a lot of tortured analogies out there that attempt to frame your business life in terms of cricket. So, I recall during the WPP, during that whole succession thing, there was a lot of this. Oh, he's outstaying his welcome at the crease. Um, there, there, there's always suggestions you don't like to lose on the pitch or off it. Um, you yourself, you've described yourself as a kind of an obdurate opener, you know, like a, like a Hutton or a boycott. Boycott it. 
yeah, Boycottian or Huttonian. Um, and no one would describe your leadership style in such terms, I don't think. I mean, do you ever see any parallels between how someone is on the cricket field and how they are in the business world? Well, you know, there are, you know, it's not, uh, when you always make, make analogies to a game. I mean, cricket is really interesting because, and you saw that, you, or you see that in the Indian series. Um, you know, in the first test, you, you see it's a very strong team performance by England in the first, first but, but, you know, the, the outstanding player in that game was Root. Um, you know, you had outstanding bowling performances as well. But, but essentially what you, what you see in cricket is, you know, it is a team game. Uh, but, you know, individual performances really probably make the difference. So you have this sort of sort of push and pull here or is, it, it's, it is a team game and everybody has got to play at the top of the game, you know, in case of fielding or bowling or batting or whatever. But on the other hand, individual performances make a huge difference. So I was thinking as we were <coughs> sort of coming uh, on air for this, you know, if you think about American football, and you think about Tom Brady, for example, at um, Tampa Bay, having moved from from uh, the Patriots, um, from the New England Patriots, you know, he's made a huge difference. But on the other hand, if the front four had not protected him uh, in, in the game uh, against Kansas City, and if uh, the the defense had not been as effective. With Mahonas, who's the opposing quarterback. I mean, it it is again, it's a team game, but where individual performances, particularly of the quarterback, which is the pivotal position, uh, are important. It's not quite the same in cricket. I don't think there is the pivotal position as you see in in American football. But but the the importance of the individual performance is still important. So, in, in you know, the business analogy is that team performances are important. Uh, but individual performances are important too. I mean, I, I happen to believe that that individuals inside companies, and I'm, I'm abstracting from myself, and uh, do make a difference. Uh, I, I think you know that separation of your, your commitment and individual commitment is really important. And so I think you know, you do see some analogies. Um, teams are important, but individual performances are important too. Okay. Toby, I think you have another tortured analogy. Yeah, forgive me. Forgive me, <laughs> Martin. We're going to continue on that theme a little bit. But just in, in business terms, and you can maybe name somebody, a colleague from your, from your past, but who would you love to have as your night watchman, really digging you out of a hole and seeing you through till close until the morning? <laughs> who, who is there? Uh, the, the ultimate night watchman is a guy called David Barker. <laughs> Who was David? Was you know the the, the, the financial director at uh, WPP, who came in when we had our, our problems in ninety one two, and uh, who was really a treasurer. Paul Richardson was not <coughs> a finance director. He was uh, he wasn't a controller. He was a treasurer, uh, and in fact, he come from Hanson Trust, and it, his role at Hanson Trust was treasurer. And the issue that we had in 91-2 was cash flow and debt, et cetera. So Paul came in to sort, sort that out and did a very good job in that area. But underneath him, really, was a guy, David played for the WPP team as well, and his son, Ben, as well. 
played. And David, David is the uh, you know, amazing, you know, every company should have one. He, he's a guy, I think the, he's gone from WPP, which is a tragedy. I mean, the people at WPP don't, won't realize it's a tragedy, but it is a tragedy because his corporate memory and his knowledge of statistics and his ability, if you asked him a question, to answer it accurately, not bullshit, but accurately, was phenomenal. And I, and I, I do remember, it's quite a funny story. David was working when I was at Sarge's, so he predates um, WPV. Um, Melville Drum, uh, it was Thomas and McClintock Bristol that looked after us. And Melville Drum was a senior partner in Bristol. And he had, you know, I said to Mel, well, look, I need more people in, in, in the, the accounting department and financial department at, at Sarge's, you know, who, who have you got? And he said, well, I've got this guy called David Barker, <coughs> who, I, who I have relegated to government audits, to, to city audits and government audits, because he's got this, these blue eyes and is this steely glare. And, you know, if I put him on, company audits, he scares the proverbial out of everybody and he just drives them crazy. And he, you know, he's he's zeroes in on anything. And, and I said, that sounds ideal to me, you know, because I wanted somebody who was really going to get stuck in, wouldn't be deflected, would really go down. So a real night watchman, you know, a real graft, a real Jack Leach, you know, that would graft. Right. So David, David is the on the financial side of the business. To my mind, was the answer. And David, David, I can't speak highly enough on from a personality point of view. He was a complete disaster. Uh, he did improve. He did improve <laughs> over the years, but he was absolutely superb. And I remember the non-executive director saying to me, "Every company, uh, I think Jacques Grant actually said to me, you know, every business needs." David Barker, and he's dead right. And unfortunately, they got rid of him, or he's gone. Uh, he was about my age, <clears throat> so it was about time he retired. But um, superb, superb. The Jack Leach of WPP, <laughs> yeah. David Barker. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the classic. Right. Uh, uh, there, there must be a better analogy than Jack, Jack Leach, but um, I think I think so. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know, Jack Leach has saved England on many occasions. So, go on. He has. So, Martin, what's worse, getting out to a bad shot when you've got your eye in or losing a new business pitch? Um, they're both pretty bad, actually. <laughs> they're both pretty bad. Uh, well, I mean, okay. the, both, both, each is in a different amphitheater. Um, I, I have to admit that you know, losing, losing a major account or losing a new business pitch would probably, would probably have affected me more than being out to a, to a bad shot. I mean, out to so many bad shots that that that, that, <laughs> that, uh, that no I would say I would say the, the the business side probably was more important that's the point of the question the honest answer the business side. I mean cricket you know I I think business is more like Bill Shankly's quote you know football's not a matter of life and death it's more important than that but I would say business rather than cricket but but maybe on sometimes on those Sundays when we were you know it was pretty tight. Maybe, maybe I would have even given up an account to win a game. <laughs> that's how for the WPB team. That's <laughs> yeah, tough one. Let's turn to innovation a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I think people across the world are trying to bring a lot of innovation into cricket. There's the, you know, the IPL, there's the 100. I, I believe 
you, you, one of your guys had some kind of part in the mongoose cricket bat, right? Oh, no, that's right. I remember you descri- describing that as an Ogilvy creative director or somebody coming up with that mongoose cricket bat. Yes, no, no. It's a, it's a wonderful story. It, uh, Ogilvy creative director who, who, if I remember rightly, he became very ill. Whenever anybody had any illness inside the company or, or family thing, I, I really sort of took it seriously. I, I wouldn't go... You know, a lot of people have said to me, you regarded WPP as being a family. And I think if you start a business from scratch, like we've done with with WPP and we've done with S4, you literally are the first person in or one of two people's in. You do treat it as a, a family and you're... And if people, you know, I, I, I always sort of, when, when people had difficulties from a family point of view or a health point of view, tried to help as much as I possibly could. And I, and I remember this guy was in hospital, I think he was. Um, I hadn't, they didn't, and nobody asked me to sort of help him medically, but he was in hospital and I called him. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, well, he said, he said I'm in hospital or I'm at home or whatever it was. And he said, I'm designing a new cricket bat. And, you know, he, 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 he described how when you hit a ball, it's not, you know, the top of the bat or the bottom of the bat. Well, in my case, it was the top and the bottom of the bat. It wasn't in the middle. But most, yeah. most normal people's cases, you know, it was in the middle of the bat. And he said, yeah, I've designed these bats. I've, got them, I've still got them downstairs, actually, in my cupboard. And um, I, I, use the mon- I use the standard mongoose. It's not – the mongoose is, um, is, is a, a shorter bat with a longer handle than normal. But then there was a, a club mongoose. I mean, when I say club, like a – a club and and this was this was i think he originally did it it wouldn't have been t20 cricket but maybe it was the the you know one day games and he created this mongoose and it was innovative uh mongoose shape and it was a very very small bat it was rather wasn't quite like a baseball bat but but more like a baseball bat than it was than a a, a cricket bat so um Yes, he he was he was great. I didn't want I don't think mongoose ever really took off, but mongoose the, the mongoose bat was used I think by some of the Australians. Yeah, Matthew Hayden actually used it in the IPO. Yeah, that's right. Matthew Hayden used it. I don't know whether he used the very short one or whether he used the one that I I I've got, I got the very short one as well. But I thought it was a very interesting idea and attempt to change it. It reminds me of the story, you know, I worked for Mark McCormack and you are talking to Jeffrey Boycott's agent. Yeah, we know that. We, we have a question about that coming up. Don't worry. Yeah, we do have a question. <laughs> so I was, what was I, 21, 22, maybe 22 years old. And um, Jeffrey's, Jeffrey's contract with Gray Nichols was up for renewal, his back contract. And he was getting about, I think it was 200 or 250 pounds a year for, for sponsoring the Grey Nichols. Yeah, and Grey Nichols had, talk about the mongoose, they had the slim shoulders back. I mean, the big thing I would go with Grey Nichols bats was they were lighter, lighter than, than, than other people's bats. And uh, anyway, I had to go up to Nottingham to negotiate the contract. And I am the only agent that left the room with less money after the negotiation than when I when I went in. I think I I I, I exited the room not at 250 a year, but at 150 or 200 a year. 
Wow. <laughs> and I remember what was very funny about the conversation, that all bats were white with black hands. And, and I said to them, why don't you have flashes on the bats? Why don't you have colored handles and colored blades and everything? And, and the rest was the rest was history. But it was, um, I mean, Jeffrey Boycott was, uh, you know, we worked for Jeffrey for a year. And Jeffrey pursued me after a year. I remember on the weekend, he was phoning and phoning on a Saturday. And I agreed to meet him on a Sunday morning because he wanted to review. He said, Martin, you've done sweet Fanny Adams, sweet F4 for me. Uh, and I want to see what you've been doing for the year. And the only thing that he had won that year was a contact lens contract, which he had negotiated himself. He got a couple of hundred quid. I think it was the first cricketer, the first batsman to use contact lenses. And he was furious. So I, I went into the office and I got I got one of those ring binders, big red ring binder, and I I photostated or had photostated every single letter, because in those days we used to send out letters, and every single rejection notice that we got. And I had a I, I'm not joking, I had a binder that thick, about six inches thick. And I went out to, it was to Letchworth, I think it was. He was staying with somebody in Letchworth, Hertfordshire, somewhere. I went out on, early on a Sunday morning at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I pitched up with my file, and I opened the file. I said, okay, Jeffrey, let's, let's go through this. And I go, the first letter, you know, with, with, this is Jeffrey Boycott. He's the world's best opening batsman, da-da-da-da-da. Next, next letter is a rejection. I go through about 15 of these, and there must have been, we were diligent. You know, we really did work hard on it. It must have been 800, 900. And he gave up after about the 15 and said, you know, I surrender. And he, you know, I, I remember being in the West Indies with him, with Victor Blank, and we were, it was when Atherton got a century there. It was um, Lara got a century and Atherton got a century. And remember, That's 94, I think. The Queen, the Queen had visited the island. Uh, I think it was Guiana, actually. And had visited, and everywhere you went where the Queen had gone, they painted everything. So, you, you know, you went into a hotel, and the corridor the Queen had gone down had been painted. The rest of the hotel wasn't quite so good. And Victor was staying in the suite that the Queen had been in, and Geoffrey was particularly, particularly unhappy about that. And, Vic, and Geoffrey, Victor, and I were walking, and 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 and, Vic, and Vic, Geoffrey turned to Victor and said, "You know, that's Sorrel." Is it fucking useless? Fucking useless. <laughs> Couldn't do a fucking thing. And I turned to Jeffrey and I said, The trouble with you, Jeffrey, is you had no fucking charisma. That's a long memory as well. That's, that's quite a long, quite, yeah. a, quite some time later. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I loved him dearly. And I, you know, I think he was true grit. I mean, it was a bit, he grounded out and, uh, he was a performer, and he delivered. I mean, the fact is, he delivered. Right, another question for you. Something that maybe could do with the charisma injection is the 100. And we're talking about innovation previously, uh, with Darren alluded to it. I mean, it's not necessarily caught the public imagination yet. The ECB have been heavily marketing it. With your you know, business hat on, any thoughts on how you might go about marketing such a new innovation? Well, I think there's a dangerous too much. Um, you know, and I and I and I just wonder, 
you know, playing too much cricket. You know, you see it with football too. Uh, you know, you see it with this European Super League uh, that is being mooted, you know, which obviously will have implications for the Premier League here in the UK or La Liga or whatever in Spain or Syria are in, in Italy. And, and, I, and I worry that we're trying to squeeze too much out of it. You know, I, I, I think, look, realistically, for people to spend five days of their life uh, watching a test match is probably unrealistic. I love it. You know, when I book tickets, I have a couple of debentures at Lords, but when you buy the, the tickets, I tend to buy, you know, the, the first, I tend to avoid actually the date, the, 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 the week days because of, of work, but um, so I tend to go Saturday and Sunday. But if the game starts Thursday, Sunday can be sometimes a little bit uh, frustrating. Uh, so the Saturday test match, Sunday of a test match, you know, I will go. But I think it's unrealistic to believe that people can spend all their time at test matches. It isn't made for this 24-7, always-on digital world that, you know, S4 is built around and we're trying to, to build our business around. So I, I, I think these formats, you have to be careful that you don't do too much. You know, isn't it enough that we have the one-day game? I and mean, even one-day game, People, you know, T20. I mean, when we start to have too many, um, yeah, I think it becomes a problem. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that that format, and I haven't looked at the numbers, but that format, if you're saying it hasn't been as successful as the promoters of it hoped it would be, I'm not surprised because it's yet another, you know, cricket is, it's not about a game. It's about, you know, a a battle for people's time and it's for their entertainment time, their leisure time. And there are so many alternatives, you know, so I've missed great games because I've been on holiday in the summer with family or whatever. And, um, you know, I've regretted that I've been away, but I've missed them because, so you, you, you compete for people's leisure time. And I think you have to be cognizant of that. And you, I think you have to be quite careful that you don't, that you're not, you're not really focused on the financial side of it and trying to generate more funds uh, and more revenues and that the innovation is not significant enough. So I'm not surprised. They're saying to me, what do they have to do, you know, in order to promote it better? It may be that it's unpromotable. It may be that 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 the, the product is not something that people that people want. I mean, day night game, night games. I I think a part of the answer. Yeah, and T twenty. Yeah, and T twenty. I think that is part of the. I think you know the test matches, the one day games, T twenty is about the right the right balance, and then we. With test matches, I think you know the the third test in in India was a pink ball game and and a day night game, and I think that adds another dimension. And if you're at work and you can go, you finish work at sort of six o'clock or something like that, six thirty, and you go and watch the last few hours. I think that, that's a good good way of doing it. Uh, but you know, obviously, stadia have to be developed for that. So you heard it here first. Martin Sorrell tells the ECB to give up on the 100. 
(laughs) (laughs) I think Martin made a great point there about, you know, the commercial interest versus the actual fan interest. And I think there's a big debate in Australia now around the BBL, which is the T20 League, about they're trying to carry too much to the broadcasters versus the actual fan. I think it's a keen balance to actually focus on, right? If you, you, you dick around with it too much, it becomes a product that nobody wants uh, at the end of the day. So that's, that's a, it's a keen thing to look out for, right? BBL yeah. goes on forever, doesn't totally it? Right. That, that's because it of sponsorship. Like eight weeks. And so on. Oh, it's insane. And people are sick of it. So Martin, as an opening batsman, how do you view the way the game has changed? Because opening the batting is a very different ball game these days than it was 20, 30 years ago. Because of the attacking styles brought in by, uh, you know, the IPL and T20, um, do you, do you feel like? I mean, are, are, you, are you a fan of the, these kind of new school openers, or, or do you think it's it's not cricket? The bash and crash is that what you mean? Well, a little, a little bit, yes, a little bit. The ramps, the uh, the the dill scoops, the lap sweeps. No, I think that that's innovation. I think that's <clears throat> that's fun to see. My grandson is, is uh, I, I think, going to be a very good cricketer. He's only in his early teens, but he's playing, you know, county cricket at a junior level. And I, and I think, um, you know, he, he experiments with that stuff well, and I think it increases his interest in the game. <clears throat> no, I, listen, I, I think it, it, it depends. It, you know, if you're obviously batting in a test match or you're batting in a one-day or a T20, that the approach is going to be different. And I like I like the innovation. I mean, I, I, as you said what you said, the, 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 word, the words Tom Graveney came into my mind. I mean, as a, you know, it was just beautiful to watch. It was just beautiful. Um, you know, a cover driver. And the other thing is, we get, we get romantic about it. You know, I used to, to take my little scorebook, not so little scorebook, my big scorebook, and I used to go to Lords and the Oval while well, in the school holidays. <clears throat> and you would sit and watch Yorkshire versus Surrey or Yorkshire versus Middlesex. Uh, at Lords, it was side on, interestingly. And at the Oval, it was a it was a you know the the behind the wicket, behind the bowl of arm, not not the pavilion end, but the other end. So it was quite strange that you that at Lords you were side on. And at the Oval, you were behind the bowler's arm, if you like. But I used to, you know, sit there. That was my day. I would score the match. And there was nothing. I mean, this is this is terrible thing, you know, terribly romantic. There was nothing more beautiful <laughs> than watching Freddie Truman bowl side on at Lord's. I mean, it was... I can imagine. It was poetry in motion. I mean, the action, I don't... There is no bowler, I think, that that bowled like the you know the arch back, the flopping hair, and and then the windmill at the other end in a test match was Statham. You know, it was literally like a windmill, and um, there, there was something really <laughs> terrible, poetic about. It. You know, Michael Parkinson would write about it um, lyrically uh, in the Sunday Times on the weekend. Um, so those are the good old good old days. So I used to love that as a as a kid. I used to I used to adore that. So Hutton Hutton was a hero. I like I followed Yorkshire for, for no reason, but I just love Yorkshire. Um, and, and and good good opening batsman uh, though at Yorkshire. I 
uh, and that 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 tradition there. But Truman, Truman and Statham were were extraordinary. And then Laker and Locke as well in terms of spin bowling. So, but very different era. You know, um, Brian Close. I mean, all these characters. And I, to some extent, I, you know, I wonder: do we have? I mean, everybody looks back and thinks that you say it in advertising as well. The characters in advertising were much, were very different to today. And but I think in cricket is certainly true. I mean, the, the characters there were were extraordinary. Boycott himself as a as a character. So, Toby, do you want to ask one question? Then we'll do our. We've got a really quick ultra lightning round to end with. Oh dear. That sounds like trouble. Ah, but before we get to trouble, yeah, I was just when we were just researching for for, for this, um, I was curious as you know, you you've obviously met many captains of industry and, and world leaders in your career, etc. Have there been any that have turned out to be surprisingly good cricketers, or even have an interest that you were surprised about in cricket? Every, everybody, everybody thought they were good at cricket, so you know, <laughs> they, they they all thought they were super good batsmen or super good bowlers or <laughs> brilliant fielders. Um, um, no, I, uh, lots of people that I met, you know, as you mentioned, that Chris Jen, who used to run Vodafone, uh, you know, was really always turns up as an umpire. He has a proclivity to raise the finger a little bit too, <laughs> uh, too, too easily. Uh, who was that, who was that guy? Uh, Digby Digby Jones was also one, you know, who. who who was a, a government minister, and you know, he was also a very... No, listen, a lot of people liked cricket. A lot of people, you know, a lot of, obviously, Australians, South Africans, uh, Indians. I mean, we, we haven't really talked about India and the IPL. I mean, it's an extraordinary phenomenon. And, you know, it's a phenomenon that, that Murdoch and, and Uday, you know, who ran used to run Star and then went to Disney, has now left Disney understood um that phenomenon well and made star what it what it is in india i mean it is extraordinary it, it, it is extraordinary but you know that and when one looks at the indian series one it, it's very difficult for any side to go to india and win you know we thought you know after what the second match that winning the toss was the crucial crucial thing the third the third the third match proved that that was not the case. I mean, the Indian spinners are just much, you know, much better uh, and much more achievable. Martin, England's got to win the England's got to win the last game. Just to put Australia in the sure. uh... yeah, that's right. So Australia will, will, will play against the Kiwis in, the, in at Lords. Well, no, but, it's going to happen. But do, do you think? But if we do, if we do win the last game, we don't get to Lords, do we? Or do we? Now Australia, no, we don't. England can't get through. England are out. We can't make it. By the way, Piyush Pandey, wasn't he a cricketer? Piyush was, absolutely. He's a, he was a very, very good cricketer. He was a very, yeah. he's a great creative director, probably one of the best that we had at, at WPP. And he's a very good, and, you know, we've had, we've played on Bombay University's cricket ground. Um, then Sarka, it was then Sarka's ground. I think he used to, used to uh, promote it. We played there at six o'clock in the morning. We had a WPP eleven against Ogilvy, I think it was. Piyush, Piyush arranged that. No, it, it was, it was, it was. They ran me out, but they didn't give me out. That was. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking. I've got Piyush Pandey. He's actually played five first-class matches, and he was a wicketkeeper. He was. 
super, super good cricketer, super good. He loves, loves the game. But, you know, India, to my mind, and, and Pakistan, actually, but India, to my mind, is a, really a case of part. I mean, it is, it is more important than life and death. Uh, it's um, it is it follows Bill Shankly quote and the fact you know that the prime minister builds or encourages the building of that stadium and that's where we have the third test and we have the fourth test so um, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens but I, I I would disagree with you was it Darren who said I think India will win that we'll see what happens yeah I, I yeah you never know it's it's red ball this time no skiddy pink ball so England bat first put some runs on the board. Come on. The other thing, being being away from home in a bubble. Yeah, it's tough. You know, really tough. We've had Sri Lanka. We've had this. It's it's you know they're doing this rotation strategy, which we all understand is important to do, but it's a bit strange. You know, a bit strange. And you've got you've got players leaving the bubble for understandable reasons. I mean, they have families and babies and God knows, and I, I think puts a tremendous amount of strain. Um, you know, being in a bubble at home is a strain. Being in a bubble thousands of miles away is is huge strain. So, mental health and and well being is extraordinarily important. Mm. All right, so let's end with our ultra lightning round. So these we've got six questions for you. We'd like one word answers, if possible. No, yeah, I don't give up. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we had to qualify. <laughs> we thought we thought we'd ask. So, all right, I'll start with the first one. We'll just do these um, one by one, guys, if that's cool. So I'll start with the first one. So, in one word, describe being Jeffrey Boycott's sports agent in the seventies. Taxi, <laughs> not literally taxi, but just <laughs> yeah, taxi. taxi. All right, good, Toby. Your cricketing hero. I think Hutton remains my. Remains my hero. Okay. Darren? The, the best innings you've ever seen? I think Lara's 100 in Guiana was the best I've seen. And maybe Atherton's. That, I think it was Atherton as well. Got 100. I think that's that's probably the best. Not many people put an Atherton 100 on their list of greatest innings. That's right, but, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's definitely an opening batsman only. Which <laughs> yeah, exactly. The appreciation for graft. You've got to remember that was in the context of... yeah. One of the few times that I've seen Test cricket abroad, we were in the Clive Lloyd Pavilion, which was a wooden pavilion there, and it was old. Uh, and, it, and we were, you know, we were sitting in the pavilion all the days of the game, and it was really, uh, you know, I loved it. We had great fun, and and Jeffrey Boycott was there as well as Victor Blank. So what what, what more could you want? So I would say not the best innings, but the most memorable. I would say. Best captain you've seen, apart from yourself? Really. Really, okay. Really. Really was a close second to me. <laughs> uh, next question. You mentioned a couple of grounds, but your favourite ground of all? Well, I, I, I love Lords. What, Wormsley, I think, is beautiful. Wormsley is fantastic, yeah. That's Wormsley. the John Paul, J.P. Getty estate, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, it took an American to build it's amazing. a good... A I mean, it is amazing. It's in this natural dip, or what appears to be a natural dip, and you have the, the thatch scoreboard and the thatch pavilion. It is just, and there is, in, I think even there was one telephone, telecoms um, 
tower that you could see, but they've blotted it out. They've grown some trees to blot it out. So apart from that, you can't, there is not, you know, and then the time I went, um, I think the old man was still alive and he had different cattle or sheep on different hills. So you had these sort of longhorn cattle on one and you had black sheep on another. And then you had these hawks, these, I think they're called red hawks, that, that faced extinction before he took over the estate. And now they just circle. I mean, just beautiful, just beautiful. So I would say Lords, you know, I've been to Melbourne, I've been to Sydney, uh, I've been to Cape Town, Johannesburg. No, but I still think Lords is, is there. But Wormsley, I just love him. We got the opportunity to play WVU. He played there several times. Great fun. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Nice. I've been to one match at Wormsley. Sweet. It was beautiful. Not as good as it should be, but, mm. but it's good. Okay. Darren, the last question falls to you. All right. <laughs> it's, it's a bit boring, actually. <laughs> what? But I'll ask it anyway. It's what we'd expect from What's... some IPG for God's sake. Ooh. What's, you know, what's, what's one thing you've taken from, one, one characteristic you've taken from cricket into business? Or one trait? I think, uh, you know, persistence. I think I think you have to be very determined. I think, um, you know, if you think what Stokes has done, you know, it, it's extraordinary. I mean, you, you, you never give up. Nothing is impossible. Um, you know, we talked about Leach. I mean, Leach held up one end. Um, whatever, whatever the odds against you are, you know, if you're persistent and focused, and determined, there is there is nothing that you can't do, and you know Stokes to me is an extraordinary. He's in that line of Botham and Flintoff. I mean, they're all sort of seem to be temperamentally and characteristically the same type. And they are they are, they are extraordinary people. I was at um, it was at Sarches uh, when Botham was playing the Australians. And I remember I was traveling from, and Tim Bell was, uh, you know, always claimed to be Australian. Um, although uh, we have <laughs> doubts about that, but he always claimed to be, God bless him. He, 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 he claimed to be wife. Australian. Australian wife, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he claimed to be. Well, I mean, you know, he, was, he said it was, anyway. So he supported Australia. And I remember I was doing a lot of uh, transatlantic traveling and, you know, Botham was doing his rescue acts in two tests, was it? Where you know we, we seen him, we seemed as though we were down and out, and he would come in and hit a hundred and take five, take five wickets. And I remember I would come in overnight, you know, on Pan Am or whatever it was, and I would get to the the immigration desk, and I would say, "Well, I suppose Australia won the test," and the guy would say, "No, both of them came to the rescue, and and we we, we won both times." And Flintoff was the same, and Stokes is the same. I think, you know, they characterize to me, I mean, they have great flair and great talent, which obviously is, is the important thing, but they have, a, they, have a, they have a persistence and a determination, which is quite extraordinary. I mean, to, to Stokes, I think of the three, probably the most brilliant. I mean, to have done what he has done, and then given, by the way, what he went through a couple of years ago, from a personal and family point of view, extraordinary. So 
I would say resilience, persistence, determination. You know, he 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 to me is the epitome of, of that and, and all strength to him. I mean, he he is extraordinary man. I mean, in a in a cricketing context. And those qualities, you know, you 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 want you want in the people that are inside a company or, or lead or should I say leading a company. That's really important. And and I and I and I do think, you know, you have to get out of people. There has to be a determination. I mean, I, I think in the business world, there's this separation between ownership and control, which I think, I think is a is an issue. But but it, when 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 ownership and control are one, when you know you have skin in the game, you know, is it not just reputationally but financially you're committed to the company i i think it's and this i mean stokes when you go back and look whether it be against australia or whether it be in the context of a you know a global tournament extraordinary um, determination never give up never give up well i think that was definitely worthy of more than one word that answer and a good question <laughs> wasn't boring wasn't boring sorry no, no, that's that. You can't answer that in one word. So I think that that that's absolutely fine. So Martin, thank you so much for your time. This has been yeah, thank you. A lot of fun. It's been great to talk to you about cricket, to hear about your journey through the game, to reminisce a little bit, and of course to discuss this sport we all love. We never discussed the great catches that I made. Um, there are there are, there are so many. Here we go. Are there? <laughs> That's for the next one. Give us your, give us your top three. That's for the next one. <laughs> that next episode, yeah. We can do a whole show on catches. All right. Okay. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, thank you. Take care and please stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Andrew. Yeah, Jeff. Bye. Bye.